have to, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Chris. How are you? Well, very well. Thanks. Pleased to hear that things are going well. Awesome. So we've talked about the build of the test cell. We've talked about how we'd select equipment, etc. But we're going to come and look inside the cell now, and perhaps we can talk about the ventilation and the uh, HVAC requirements for a test cell. Okay. What do you want to talk about specifically? Well, I guess, first of all, the actual room itself. I mean, the, the engine's sitting there, it's got to run, and we've got to talk about the actual air going to the engine. But the room itself will need to be conditioned and have a certain, presumably, a certain limits on temperature and on the state of the airflow in the test cell. Yeah, at a bare minimum, and it depends on what you're running, what you need to control, but at a bare minimum, if you have a closed room, you're going to need to keep the room cool to a certain extent. To a certain temperature. Some test cells, you may not be concerned with controlling temperature very tight, so you just want to keep it from getting above a temperature of, say, 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So you'll just run a fan into the test cell, you'll have air being pulled into the test cell and exhausted out of the test cell to keep the room cool. That's simple, right? But from my work with turbos, you finish up with some extreme hot spots. So I've used spot cooling in the past to run particular special fans to cool certain areas. So let's break it down a little bit. It all revolves around heat load inside the test cell. So you've got things that generate heat inside the test cell and engine being the primary source. If you look at where the heat comes from on an engine, a large percentage of it comes from the exhaust system itself. So if you have a lot of exhaust system routing in the test cell, it's going to generate quite a bit of heat. And you need to get rid of that heat through the ventilation system of the test cell. So when you talk about spot cooling... That comes into play, and again, we're going down the detail route, but that comes into play, for example, as you have a specific air line that runs to an air nozzle that blows concentrated cooling, maybe in a spark plug boot that's next to a header on a manifold to keep that from getting too hot. Just to control any particular high spots that way. Right. But, But when we talk about ventilation in general for a test cell, you've got to consider obviously the heat loads and you got to consider is there a specific area of the test cell you need to control is it the whole test cell or is it just like you talked about earlier is it just a specific portion of it and how tight do you need to control the temperature too is it just temperature too that's a question you have to ask yourself or do you have to control humidity it can be extensive okay but mike tell me if you're doing endurance testing and you're running a vehicle system in the test cell presumably you've got to keep it to some representative level of temperature around the component so that it reflects real world. Yes, but the main thing is right off the bat is you've got equipment in the test cell. Usually you've got measurement equipment, you've got sensors in there, and those are rated to perform in certain temperature conditions. So you have to make sure the equipment in the test cell is kept cool enough to meet the specifications of their operation of it. Okay, and again, the components, once they've got a a limit, that can be sort of kept within that. But if we then move on to the combustion air, that becomes more critical. And then we're looking at the air that the engine is breathing would need to be typically controlled more precisely. Precisely. So what you'd be looking at is now you're talking about a standalone ventilation system that has cooling and heating capabilities and typically humidity control as well that's ducted into the test cell directly to the engine intake to control the exact temperature 
and humidity that that engine needs to see while it's running a specific development test right. or certification test. Presumably that's, as you say, for performance work or for even more critical for certification then. Right, right. Okay. But, but it all starts with, that's step two and step three. It all starts with how do we keep the cell cool? How cool do we need to keep the cell? How tight do we need to have the control of the temperature in the test cell? And once you've identified what the temperature is, and typically you don't want it to exceed a certain temperature, then you need to go into figuring out how much BTUs you need to remove from the test cell. And that gets into fan sizing, ductwork sizing, and there's different ways to ventilate test cells. Like I said earlier, you could have a fan that supplies and a fan that you can have a supply and return fan that moves air quickly through the test cell. And typically, ventilation in a test cell is not just solely temperature. So sometimes you want to make sure that you have the ability, if there's an le exhaust leak or some way of removing air in what they call air interchanges per minute or per hour that you want to have to keep the air circulating in the test cell, not just to keep it cool, but to keep it clean. So, so in other words, you had an exhaust leak, you don't want to have that exhaust contaminating the room itself. Right. And that's the other cool part, Chris. The one thing you need to consider when you're doing a ventilation in test cell from the safety perspective is you want to make sure that if there is something that's toxic. We'll use carbon monoxide, for example, because an exhaust leak is going to be a CO leak. You don't want to be breathing that. Everybody knows that. The way to protect yourself from that is if you're in a control room right next to the test cell, you don't want that to come into the control room if you have an exhaust leak. So what they typically do is they'll create a negative pressure in the test cell. So you'll never be pushing air out into other environments. You'll always have that draw. So what you'll do is, I've tried to illustrate this, is you'll have two fans, a supply and a return, and you'll change the RPM and flow slightly to create that negative pressure using those two fans. One will speed up, the other one will slow down or vice versa, and that'll create a negative pressure in the test cell to always have a vacuum. So is that vacuum going to pull exhaust out of the, if there is a leak of exhaust, it'll pull more fumes into the test cell? So presumably that exhaust needs to be extracted separately to maintain a yet lower pressure in that yes. to, to pull the exhaust out. So the intention when you build a test cell is not to have exhaust leaks in the test cell. So you have exhaust routing. Some of the exhaust routing is just a forced exhaust system. So you'll come out of the engine, you'll go through exhaust pipes, through a silencer, and then through the roof or out of the silencer up into the atmosphere. That's a simple system. It's just like taking a car exhaust, except it's in a test cell and it runs outside the building. Other systems may have a draw on the exhaust system where they're constantly pulling air through it. Well, yeah, because sometimes the exhaust system isn't a tight fit. It's an exhaust pipe slotted into an extraction sort of port. Right. So that right. will be one way you're running a fan somewhere else down the exhaust to draw that through. Right. There are considerations when you do something like that, because if you have a exhaust, if you're designing a system like that, you want to make sure that your system is explosion proof or explosion resistant, because if you have a fuel leak into your exhaust and your hydrocarbons are running high, you could literally ignite that in the exhaust system or the silencer. And I've heard it happen before where the silencer on the roof blew up basically because it ingested so much hydrocarbons, and then when it got hot enough, it lit that hydrocarbons off and blew up the muffler. So it's always a safety concern when you're working in environments like this, and you have to figure it out. I guess the safety side of it also leads into things like fire extinguishers, which we'll probably get into later, but that would also require the room to have a ventilation system so it could be quickly evacuated if something does go wrong. 
Well, typically in a situation where you have a fire inside a test cell, how you put out a fire is you deprive it of oxygen, right? So it can't burn without oxygen. So either you use a chemical to remove the oxygen or a water suppression system, something that eliminates the fire slash smoke. But typically you want to make sure that the fire is out before you ventilate the test cell. You can ventilate the smoke, but you don't want to add oxygen to the fire. So typically with suppression systems, you shut and close vents. You lock the room down so it puts out the fire quicker. Okay. All right. So thanks for explaining that. Another area that sometimes requires ventilation that I've heard about but I'm not too familiar with is trench ventilation. I guess the trenches that go between the control room and the, the test cell itself. Yeah. So that's a pathway that is a routing for wiring, plumbing, whatever you need to run from inside the control room to inside the test cell, for from the control room to the test cell. Again, when you think of what you're running, if you have a fuel leak, hydrocarbons are heavier than air, so they're going to sink, and they're going to go right to the lowest part of the test cell. So two things happen from that. One, it'll get down into the trench level. So in order to prevent that from affecting anything else, your trench has to be sealed between the control room and the test cell, and you need to put ventilation systems in there to make sure that you don't have any standing hydrocarbons So you're always ventilating and putting fresh air through there. So the barrier would have to act like a firewall. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, we also need to positively ventilate to empty the trench so that there's nothing can build up there. Correct. Okay. Yep. Most interesting. But then if you take that extreme to the control room, if you sealed off both sides of it, then the control room should be fresh air. There's people working in there. Mm -hmm. But I suppose there's still a tendency to have some bleed across from the test cell into the control room as a possibility. There always is that possibility. So if you add all these protective measures, like you seal the trench off, and there's specific materials you use to seal it off, you add ventilation to it, like we just discussed, but you also put the sensors in there. So you'll have sensors in the control room, and you'll have sensors in the test cell to monitor CO, to monitor hydrocarbons. Anywhere you think that these gases may be present, you want to put a sensor in there to do that. Because what that'll do is, one... Before you start up a test cell, it won't allow it to start up until you remove, if the hydrocarbons, for example, is, is setting a sensor off. Typically, what will happen is you'll take the ventilation system or it'll be set up accordingly that the ventilation system will come on and run 100% fresh air through the test cell before it's allowed to start up. Okay, I can see the relevance of that because certainly when I've been involved in test cells, it's not always been possible to predict all the sensors that have to be taken from the control room. So... As the testing evolves, we get sometimes the need to go through that firewall and puncture it again. So I suppose having the backup of the the sensors you mentioned keeps that safe and ensures that it's well protected against startup. Yeah, the reality is when you build a test cell for the first time, you'll put all the plumbing in, you'll put all the wires in, and it'll change. So then you'll you'll have to repenetrate through the firewall that you put in place. It may not have sealed as well, and you get caught up doing something. Mistakes can happen. So that's why you want the extra protection to say, okay, I'm going to monitor it, and I'm going to have protective measures in place. So if those sensors go off, there's a protocol or something that won't allow the test cell to start, or it'll ventilate the test cell. Oh, that's great. To understand the HVAC system is, is very important and obviously covers a wide range of the, uh, the test cell design and the, and the layout. Mm-hmm. No, thanks, Mike. It was very good to have that introduction. 
Yeah, and then the control room, talk a little bit about the control room. So when you look at the control room ventilation outside the test cell, so if you have a control room, it is another enclosed room. So you need to make for sure from an HVAC perspective that you keep it cool and clean typically. So typically a control room is kept cleaner or needs to be kept cleaner because of the amount of instrumentation in it. Okay, so from a filtration perspective... HEPA-wise, you're going to be taking those protective measures because that's a lot of money you're spending on equipment. The other thing to consider is when you talk to HVAC contractors, they typically have standards for how they calculate how much air conditioning is required. You can't use those same calculations when it comes to test cells because you have larger amounts of heat generating equipment versus what a house has. So you can't use those standard calculations. You're not necessarily referring to the engine itself, which is under test, because that's behind behind a double glazed window, a protected window. So that's that's really not generating heat in the test cell, but you have a lot of instrumentation in the control room that starts adding to that heat load. Yeah, very quickly. And I learned along the way when I constructed the first test cells, the contractors definitely underestimated the amount of cooling required inside the control room. So we landed up having to upgrade and size up the air conditioning tonnage as they as they put it in air conditioning terms to keep that room at a nice, cool, stable environment. So look at it as a holistic system and look at the ventilation for the whole thing, not just the test cell, but the associated control room and yep. any other sort of people areas as well. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Oh thanks. Good to know. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. So in future episodes, we will probably dive down into some of these in more detail. I mean, just talking about the engine exhaust and how to set up the engine exhaust and if you have to represent or mimic back pressure and control back pressure in an exhaust system. So I look forward to having those discussions later on where we can do deep dives in some of these individual categories of of when you're setting up a test cell or you got specific testing needs. Yeah, I think it'll be great. Look forward to it. Yep, same here. All right, thanks. All right, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Dino Insights, presented by Fruit. If there are any engine testing topics you'd like us to discuss, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at fruitdino.com.